Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Sarah Box here, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to today's show. We are going to meet Donna Blevins. Donna is really unique. We've not had anybody quite like Donna on the show before. And let me tell you something that you won't be able to tell because you don't have video of Donna, but Donna is a six foot five professional poker player, as well as a motivational speaker and author. And she has such a unique take on her approach to life and on being successful. But beyond that, she's also an author. Um, she is a coach to poker players. And there's some very interesting lessons that apply to all of us from that. So Donna, with that as just a miniature introduction to you, what else would you like to share with our listeners before we dive in and have some fun? Well, I, I just have to say, you said a miniature introduction for a six foot five inch tall woman. I had to laugh at that. <laughs> so I should listen more to what I say, perhaps. No, no. Well, I, actually, you've hit a point because I believe that the whole key to our mindset, to our mind shifting, is the words that we choose and the words that we say. My motto has become the words we choose set ourselves up for either success or failure because whatever we say, our subconscious hears it as a reality, whether it is or not, because our subconscious has no filters. The subconscious is a perfect recorder. It is simply a lousy playback system because it plays back what has been anchored in your subconscious with highly charged emotions. Hence, that's where came PTSD. And that's what you remember. You know, why is it, I wonder, that we traditionally remember things that have been a trauma, things that have been awful? Why is it that we throw away our wins? That's one of the things I've wondered many times through the poker industry. And poker was actually a tool that gave me the opportunity to test and to use my mind shift exercises in real time in an arena, which was, the arena was finite. Think about, there's no one around you except the people at your table. Now that becomes a finite universe, just those people right there. And that gave me a place, it's almost like on a racetrack, where I could test mind shift exercises. That was not my intention. But when I would say to my coaching clients, just shift your mindset, they'd go, how the heck do I do that? Because predominantly, I've worked with, I call left brain people. Left brain being that logical area of your brain, with right being the creative. And women most often are right brain. Men most often are left brain. But there are those of us who are hybrid. Fortunately, I'm blessed because I can bounce back and forth between the right and left brain, although sometimes that does make me scattered. So it's a case of anchoring myself into a stable place. So let's go back before you even came into any of this. Um, I know when before we started recording and we were chatting a little bit, you said you've been doing mind shift work since you've been very young. And I think if you can tell us some of your story, because it isn't like you just arrived at this place without your own bumps and bruises. You've got some knowledge to share along the way. So tell us a little bit about that and your, we'll just go from there. Okay. I believe that the mind shifting started when I was six years old. 
because at the age of six, living in the mountains of Virginia, the southwestern corner, in the coal mining camps, I had tuberculosis. There were 25% of the people in that area who had tuberculosis. And by the way, a little side note, did you know that people who have tuberculosis are more likely to have their growth stunted? (laughs) I can't even go down that rabbit trail with you right now because how tall would you have been? Who knows? (laughs) But during, in those days, they didn't know what to do. This was 1955, and you can do the math about my age. I was six years old, and they did a biopsy. And during the biopsy, my heart stopped. And uh, they they removed the lower left lobe of my lungs, and there was so much infection around my heart, my heart stopped. And it stopped for six minutes. And when you your heart stops for more than four minutes, the medical community believes that you will have brain damage. And I was in that place that today it's called a near-death experience. But Sarah, I was near nothing. I was there. I was in the light. There was not an entity, but I was completely in the light and I was in joy. It was such bliss. It was such happiness. But here's the key. I was no longer six. I was ageless. I was 143. All of a sudden, I was in that point of being completely aware. I sometimes think I plugged into the universal library in the sky. And when I came back, because I I was in this light, and then I looked down, and I was looking at the shell body, and people were running around. It was in the operating room, and I'm saying, just let, let her go. Just let it go. And it was almost like there was a boot that booted me back into the body. And when I woke, I believed that I had to be quiet because I was afraid to speak because I was no longer six. And in those days, if I had shared where I had been, I would have been put into a state mental hospital. So I said not a word for two solid weeks. And they were convinced I'd had brain damage. And two weeks passed, and all of a sudden I thought, I better speak. And I said, what's for dinner? (laughs) Every kid's question. That's right. What's for dinner? <laughs> and they went, and then I just started speaking, and they they just had no idea what was happening. And I, I never shared that until I was 16 years old, and I shared it very privately. But, you know, by the time you're 16, the hormones take off. And even though I was in a different place, and I had been doing this thinking differently, I didn't have the words for it, but the the hormones then took off and uh, i spent the next 40 years practicing how to be an idiot human <laughs> and i did one thing after the other and made mistakes and ended up in in serious traumas and abusive situations but i want to tell you this today that i love who i am and i love where i am And the only way I can be who I am is to have experienced all that. So when someone comes to me that might be an executive, might be a manager, might own a business, might be an entrepreneur, and they're talking about things that have given them great grief and the trauma they're having, most of the time I can say, okay, I've been there. I've done that. I understand where you are. 
Now let's figure out how to shift you away from it. So when people, let's just take that kind of setup that you were kind enough to do. When someone comes to you and they have that as a, what I sometimes call a yes, but yes, but I have this trauma or I have this barrier or whatever. Where do you start? Because you're Your work is around, you know, the whole mind shifting piece and being able to do that rather quickly. So where do you start with someone? Which is a great place to start because what I want to do is when they they come to me, they launch into talking about something that is traumatizing them, something that's where they are that's terrible. And what I say is, do I have permission to tag you? And they said, well, what is that? And it's my way of saying, may I say just a moment, let's look at the words that you just said. First of all, do I have permission to tag you? They said, sure, that's just fine. I said, okay. So what I want to do, first of all, is I would like for you to tell me right now what you have been doing correctly. Give me one thing that you've done correctly. In that moment, what happens is we're shifting away from looking at the trauma or the stress or the depression or the anxiety, and we're looking for something in the light. Now, frankly, if we don't have the darkness, light never exists. So we can find that. So ask the question is, what have you been doing correctly? In that moment, there is a shift to the positive, and it raises the frequency, the energy that is around us. And the second question is, rather than what have you been doing wrong, it's a forgiving, loving question. What might you have done differently? Then the third question is, what do you believe you would like to change going forward, or what can you do, or what might you be able to do to be more effective? And it depends on where we are as to how to craft that question. But that's basically, that is the superstructure of the coaching. And I, I originally thought it had to be complex, but everyone has their verb, and my verb is simplify. I love when you talk about the tagging, right? Asking permission to tag. First of all, because sometimes when we're saying things, we don't even recognize or it's like, well, I got to tell you my terrible story first. And it's like, I don't need your story. I can feel your story, right? You're, it's why we're talking. But I also understand it's important to tell a story oftentimes. It doesn't necessarily move us from where we need to be. So when you do that with someone, I'm just imagining this person. and. Now the shift is from talking about what might have been different or what would I like to have done differently. Where do you go from there? We pick an action piece. I want you to understand that there is no way for anyone to do wholesale changes on everything. We pick one thing because just making one simple change can be impactful. And I have a signature mind shift exercise that is called, hmm, isn't that interesting? It's a simple, it's seven steps. You can go through it really quickly. And and I've had people tell me that that has been life-changing and in many instances, even life-saving. And they'll come back to me in a couple of weeks and they might say, well, Donna, it's no longer working. And I said, oh, okay. 
how long, how many times have you been doing the mind shifting exercise? And they'll say, well, I only did it once. I said, oh, okay. How many times do you take a shower? So we have to realize that mind shifting is a practice. It's a learning how to shift our mindset on a dime, but we need to practice. It's just like driving a car. It's just like shifting through a manual transmission, even though I realize that there's a lot of people who will hear this, who will say, I have no idea how to shift a a manual transmission, but I do want you to learn how to do that because the the concept of pretending like you're shifting in a a four-speed uh, manual transmission, moving, moving your your legs, moving your feet, pretending like you're pressing on the clutch and then looking over, you're engaging the physicality because when you ask your brain to do things, some things that are physical during a mind shift exercise, you're focused on that. Your brain focuses on what you're thinking in an easy way when you add the physicality to it because we have a mind-body-spirit connection that is fluid and it's ever-moving. And when we have our brain engaged by doing things that are physical, it keeps our mind focused to a higher level. Are there in this, um, your hmm, isn't that interesting? Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, is that, so for instance, I'm in a, I'm going to make up a situation. I'm in a business situation. I'm in a meeting and somebody says something totally off the wall. And my gut is like, I'm thinking, I can't let that pass. I'm thinking you could let that pass. So there's all this inner dialogue thing going and I'm thinking, oh, that's not good. You know, it's going to have these implications, whatever, right? But for, I'm still not, I'm just in this, I'm no longer present, right? I'm in my head doing this back and forth. So would that be an instance where I could apply the, hmm, isn't that interesting and get myself reconnected and in a different state to be aware of what's going on? Yes, you can, as long as you've practiced the seven-step process to the point that it becomes natural. It's kind of like learning to, well, I say learning to type, but people don't type today because they... They keyboard. They keyboard. Okay. So, but, but still, when you start, if you're going to have a keyboard in front of you, it still takes a while. If you want to be able to do it fast, it takes a while to find that. Mm-hmm. To find that. So now you can put your fingers on it and just go about it because you do it. So as long as you've gone through the process and done this, and I call it the 10-minute-a-day mind shift master plan, because all you need to do is to spend 10 minutes a day practicing a mind shift exercise, and I suggest that you practice one for at least a week, as in reality, it takes about six times doing something before we truly integrate it. But if you take one and use it for about a week and then change to another one for the next seven days, it gives you some variety. But once you become accustomed to doing that, you can literally say, hmm. And what happens is your brain knows how to shift through the process, the seven steps, and move you to that place that is mindful and can release it with a simple hmm. And I've had people that, I actually would do on-air extemporaneous coaching 
and the gosh, when it first the podcast once first started out with with poker coaching, I would have people contact me and say, "Would you come on our poker show and coach a some players?" And I said, "Sure." My coach's coach, which happens to be my husband, by the way, I let you know I'm six feet five and he's five foot three. But I thought I'd give you that visualization just so that you have something to chuckle at. And I would go on a a, a live radio show, and I said I want to coach someone that I know nothing about, someone that's a new person to me. And we'd actually go through this process. And I had some other questions that I would ask of of a poker player who wanted to be coached, who said that he was going to go to Atlantic City the next week for his next bad beat. And bad beat in poker means a really bad loss. And when he said, I'm going there for my next bad beat, And that's when the words came out of his mouth. And I said, would you like to shift away from that? And he said, I don't understand what you mean. You need to set your intention. You've just set an intention that you're going to lose. Would you like to shift from that? And we went through the process of doing the, hmm, isn't that interesting? And he messaged me on Facebook and said, all week long at work, I've been doing, hmm, isn't that interesting? And my boss that he had originally been really upset at, he didn't have this anxiety towards his boss. His boss came up to him and said, what is so interesting? Your production is really up. What's going on? Why do you feel so good? And all he had to do was say, hmm, isn't that interesting, When rather than be reactive. So it was a way to shift quickly in your mindset. So if you're in a meeting, you might go, hmm. And your mind will go, okay, fine. We'll just shift away from that. And by the way, if you have something that's really awful and you want to deal with it, just put it into a mind shift room in your mind. Have a room where you're going to come back to it. Say, okay, I'll deal with this, but let's go ahead and sit this over there. It's kind of like a touch screen. Just move it over to the archives. Move it over to the archives. I'll come back to it. And you can deal with it later when you can work through it because... We do need to look at traumatic situations because we want to acknowledge them. When they jump up, just say, hi, I see you, but do I need to own it? No. Okay. I want to detach from that. And that's, that's what's in the mind-shifting exercise of, hmm, isn't that interesting? Because you bring something up. And you rate where you are with it. And it's really important that when you rate where you are, and rating means that use the the pain scale, zero is nothing, 10 is awful. Then you once you rate that, you want to forgive yourself for being there. Forgive yourself for having that feeling because that's one of the biggest parts of mind shifting is self-forgiveness. So you've talked about the working with poker players, which I think is an interesting, partly because you say, you know, it's a contained environment, if you will, right? But can you talk a little bit about more specifically or more in depth about how you help someone find their authentic game, right? Versus someone else's game. Because I think when you and I spoke about that, that has such applications in whatever area of life you are in or what you're trying to accomplish is the authentic game. And that's a word that's used so much right now, like find, be your authentic self. And so I'm going, okay, put something around that. So people go, Donna, what do you mean about an authentic game? How do I know when I'm in it? 
What you need to do is, is when someone is coming to me for coaching initially, remember I've talked about the three questions, that's when someone is usually in a traumatic situation, I've been working with them. But when I'm started out, I'll usually ask them, first of all, and let's talk about that, regardless of what business you're in, I want to first ask you, what is your strength? What is your strength? What are you really good at? And you need to, because you have more than one, write down your strengths. You know, make one of those T-bars on a, on a sheet of paper, you know, put it uh, and put what my strengths, put your strengths on the left side. You, know, you make a T-bar and, and the line down the middle and then put your weaknesses on the right. It's what we want to do is to be able to shift away from our weaknesses. But if we keep focusing on what our weaknesses are, will we continue playing like that or working like that? Or if someone is really anxious at work or someone is fearful of sales, they have trouble closing people. Well, that, that's the fear. Then if they're having that, I want to find out what's your strength. It's finding out what that strength is and magnifying that because regardless of what industry you're in, most of the time you're going to be focusing on your weaknesses. Find your authentic game by finding out what your strengths are and applauding that. When you do something correct and people say right, but I shy away from using the words right and wrong because that's judgmental. But when you're doing something correctly, applaud yourself for that. Because from a standpoint of being an entrepreneur all my life, I have been my own worst enemy, self-sabotaging myself. And I realized that I needed to applaud myself regardless of what I was doing, find something in that that I've been doing correctly. So you want to look at your strengths. That's how you find your authentic game is to look at your strengths and figure out how you can bring those strengths into what you're doing. If your strengths fail to fit in what you're doing, maybe what you're doing is something that is counterproductive for you. Maybe it's, you should be something, it would be better of the should. I never should on yourself, Donna. The should word does not exist. Not does not exist. Oh my goodness. So what you want to do is you want to figure out if your strengths belong someplace else, fit poorly in what you're doing. Maybe what you're doing is different than what would be best for you to do something else. Did that make Those sense? Are, I think that's a, really important point to make because sometimes I know in my own life, but then in also working with folks, there's this thing about, well, I should be better at X, right? I'm thinking, why would you expect that? That's not who you are and it's not who you've communicated you are or even your desire to be there. I had a call with someone this morning. They said, I'm going to give up my uh, accounting to someone. They told me they could do it better and faster than me. And she goes, I'm finally at a place where I'm good with that. And I'm thinking, I said, why wouldn't you be? It's never been something you liked doing. But it w- the only reason she, she thought she should do it, right? That's right. And then like, but the lightness in her after that was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I've got other things that, which are very special gifts to her. So. In fact, sorry, uh, sorry no, that no. I stepped on you. I, you just brought something to mind that I would like to share that is a fast mind shift exercise that I want to share with everyone in the sound of our voices. And I'd like for you, first of all, is there something that you've done today that you're really proud of, Sarah? 
You don't Absolutely. Have to tell okay. So what I want you to do is put your hand on your heart, your right hand on your heart. Okay. Is your hand on your heart now? It is on my heart. I want you to take your left hand. I want you to reach over and I want you to take a hold of your right elbow. Pull your right elbow towards the center. Leave your hand on your body. Keep going. Keep right in the center. And right now, your hand is probably on your back. Is that correct? It is. I want you to pat yourself on the back and say, at a girl. At a girl. <laughs> it is the most fun mind-shifting exercise I've ever done. It's not in the book because I've done it so many times. I need to put it in another book. I've had so many little, little tiny mind shifts that you can do. But remember, you're bringing a physicality into it. And by doing something physical, my, mind, my brain is attuned to doing that. My brain is thinking about that. I'm feeling my hand on my back. And now I'm patting myself on the back and it gives you a chuckle and makes you laugh. And that laughter is such good medicine. That's a really great exercise too. And you know, I'm thinking about it, as someone who facilitates groups, that's a great icebreaker. You know, it's like, let's just start from a, a place of recognizing something we've each brought with us. Oh, thank you. I will do that. I'm talking at a chamber next month and they contacted me and said, what are you going to talk about? I was trying to figure out some way to do an icebreaker and that's it. Thank you so you much go. for that. Thank you. It's so fun to play, but no, because we forget, we're already walking into the room with special things, but we walk in and if we're in a business mindset, whatever, and we forget some of those things. And honestly, it's so much more fun to play with people as who they are, because we're just big kids showing up in a room to hang out together and do great work, hopefully. So I want to ask you, you, I'm shifting gears slightly, which I do frequently. You made a statement that when you ask the universe, for proof that your book, Mind Shift On Demand, worked, you immediately got hit with a stroke and you were unable to speak. So talk about a huge obstacle to overcome. What happened? It was a fun experience. Now, how many people do you know who have had a massive center left brain stroke, which is the place that controls your ability to speak? Who would say that they had fun during it? Because when I hit the floor, when I'm looking at the screen and I ask that, I want something that proves they work. It was like the universe said, hey, you want it? Here, smack. And when I hit the floor, I said, be careful what you ask for. But what I did during the whole process, I was able to get myself up off the floor and get into the, the kitchen where my husband and mother were waiting on me to go to lunch. Fortunately, they were there and they got me to our local ER quickly. And there's only two words I could say. I could barely say Donna. I would say Donna. My favorite word, though, that came out consistently was crap. Because when I was trying to say a word and it wouldn't come out, I just went, oh, crap. And I was completely aware. The key to why I was able to heal quickly, even though my healthcare team said all along the way, as I was airlifted to the University of Florida Teaching Hospital, that it would take eight to nine months before I'd be able to speak. I chose to detach from that and to observe rather than to buy into that illness. And I've called it the stroke of genius because it was an experience that was able to prove that mind shifting worked because I actually used this, hmm, isn't that interesting mind shift exercise, I believe it's in chapter four in the book. 
And I used that probably a hundred times in 36 hours. And I was able to speak fluidly in three days versus eight to nine months. So were the doctors and your healthcare team wanting to know how the heck you did that? Did anybody ask you? As a matter of fact, they did. The uh, Halloween 2013 was when the stroke hit and I was airlifted and they told me I'd be in the hospital for a week. And so that was Thursday. And on Sunday, after I had gone through looking for the words, and I actually went proactively through looking for the words in my mind's eye, and my husband's shrink, because my husband said, you have to tell my shrink what you did. And he said, what I had done is I had trained my brain to rewire the neural pathways because of the neuroplasticity of the brain. Thank you so much. I was able to say that. And that it rewired. It was able to go around the damaged areas. As a matter of fact, today, when you do an MRI of my brain, there is a black hole that is dead material about the size of a golf ball in the left center part of my brain, which is about the size of the area where you speak. We only use about 10% of our brain. So I reckon that I went about looking for other parts of my brain I could use. But it was detaching from that. And when they, I pressed the buzzer on the morning of the third day, I thought, I'm ready to talk. And the nurse came in and she was looking at me going, hmm, what do you want? And I said, hello, my name is Donna Blevins-Weitzel. I'd like to talk to you about where you think I have been and where I have been. She looked at me like, like I was a monster and her eyes got big and she ran off. And I, I thought, my goodness, did I say that correctly? And over the day, there were dozens of teams that came by to see me because it was a wave that went through the hospital that day. And they said, we've never seen anything like this before. It must be a miracle. I love when things challenge our perceptions of what's possible and what's real. That's why I asked you that question. It's like, are people so stuck in their mind going, well, she never had a stroke then, right? So they take away the fact, the reality of the physical versus like, okay, we just don't understand what happened here. So that's, I have goosebumps listening to you tell that. I think that's so cool. Thank you. So Donna, talk a little bit. We referenced your book a little bit. I think it's a pretty exciting book. I know it's something because it's right down what always piques my interest. Will you talk a little bit about the book, how you came to structure it, how you think people benefit best from using it? Thank you. And and I'm really proud of my poker playing coaches, coaching clients, because they were the ones that insisted that I write it down. Because I start talking about mind shifting, and it would go on to this long story, and all of a sudden they said, simplify it, simplify it. And I'm going, well, that is my verb. So I created steps, simple steps. And the book Mind Shift On Demand that you can find at mindshiftondemand.com. And there's actually a four-minute audio of my signature Mind Shift exercise that you can download there. Please opt in because I'm going to be doing complimentary webinars on the process because I want to get the message out there. And they insisted that I, that I share these. In fact, I've had so many say, all you need to have is three of the Mind Shift exercises. They, they said, we don't need 12. And that's fine, 
but every person is a different type of person and they like things different. So I wanted to give a different flavor and different types. It's like putting on your egg, put your egg on. You were talking about you were able to be in a situation where people might be negative around you and you were able to have this protective shield around you. And the egg, in essence, is putting on a mirrored surface, but a membrane that is flexible. It is a mind-generated reflective shield. And it, it goes around your body and it's flexible and it reflects back only negativity. And it allows anything that's positive to come through it and to you and you can absorb the negative. Now, it reflects the negative back, not to where it began. We don't want to create bad karma. It's just out to the universe where it becomes neutralized. But the structure of the book is simple. Uh, There's uh, 15 chapters and there's 12 mind shift exercises. And in the back of the book, I created what I call a Rolodex. And I know that there's a lot of people and the the millennials have no idea what a Rolodex was, but it's like your, your phone contact list is on a wheel but I made a Rolodex because I wanted to simplify each one of this into a one page. So you could go to there and see what it was called, give a synopsis of it, a real simple quick shift. And a shift at a glance is what I call it. And then where you can look back at it. So I wanted something to be really easy. And I also made sure that it was on Kindle. And it was put on Kindle last year on Veterans Day. And I just did one tweet. And not that I have a huge Twitter following. By the way, if you want to follow me on Twitter, go to Big Girl Poker. Twitter is my Big Girl Poker because at 6'5", why not be called the Big Girl of Poker? But Big Girl Poker is my Twitter handle. You can find me on Facebook that way too, Big Girl Poker, and that's where you find me there. But it, it put on Kindle, and during the launch, even though... People had said, oh, you have to put a lot of money into the launches to become a number one bestseller in Amazon. I said, that's okay. I just want to get it out there. I want people to be able to have it. And it went to the number one hot new releases in sports psychology instantly that weekend. And I'm thrilled with that. And it's been the top 100 in sports psychology for the past year. So regardless of what you're doing, you know, life's a game. So the the concept of mind shifting can help upshift your game. Well, and I just love the um, stick shift imagery because that was a requirement. If you were going to drive a car, you had to learn to drive a stick first so that you were never stuck. So if you're with someone, they go, I can't drive a stick. Or even if it's like a, oh, gee whiz, I can't drive. Then, well, I can. I can drive a stick. We're out of here. So um, I love that connection and the metaphor of it. Donna, as we wrap this um, episode Let me ask you what a parting piece of advice you might give people in general is about, I often will say it, you know, like when you were 10 or 12, but you actually became pretty self-aware at six. So I, I could take you back to four or five, but really what I'm wanting you to do is say, what would you advise folks or to help them move forward that you've learned over life that might be just remember this when X this? Remember to breathe and remember to watch your breath as you breathe. Regardless of what you're doing, when you're in the midst of something that's bothering you, if you think, okay, just take a breath and you take a breath and watch the breath as it goes down into your lungs and as you exhale, exhale through pursed lips, 
That moment, one breath, and you will come back to the moment and mindfulness. And mindfulness is the key to shifting your mindset and being proactive and taking conscious, consistent action rather than spending your life being a reactive person who continually shoots themselves in the foot. So just take a breath. I don't think we could have a better piece of wisdom. So I will take that with me as well. I want to really thank you for your time today. I've had a blast. I know our listeners are going to love hearing what you've shared. So I hope you'll consider coming back in the future and doing another podcast. Sarah Box, I absolutely will. I want to tell you that you are one of the best host because we're having a conversation and that is so lovely. Your listeners are blessed to have you and I am honored to be your guest. Well, thanks and podcast listeners, we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you like what you heard, and if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.